It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, June 1st, 2020, a new week to put out some episodes of our podcast. We always record our podcast interviews probably about a week or so out, so just so you're aware, the conversations that we do have with people aren't always up to date with the current events. Uh, I interviewed today's guest, Chris Mayer, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half even. So in our interview, there isn't really any talk about what's going on around the country today and over this weekend. Uh, I will say that we put out a podcast episode last night, pretty late, that you probably saw already this morning. Uh, it was a roundtable discussion with Bill Barnes, Jan Balon, and Fred Monteblanco, just uh, talking about what's going on and uh, I know it's definitely not <laughs> something everyone will enjoy, but uh, we wanted a chance to just sit down and talk about what was going on. So that was that episode this morning that you probably saw. We're a little behind on this one with Chris Mayer. We usually put our episodes out in the morning, but uh, we're going to get to it here in the early afternoon. Uh, I did have a good conversation with Chris about a week and a half ago regarding uh, his his life as a football official, baseball official at the college level, climbing the officiating ladder, uh, working college sports, and, and some of his uh, radio work he's done as well. So it was a, it was a nice conversation. Looking forward to you guys hearing it. Um, I do want to say we li- we live in some really scary times right now, and uh, my thoughts and prayers out to everyone out there. Stay safe. Get home safe has new meaning uh, of our <laughs> podcast. Uh, definitely not intended or, or wanted, but uh, everyone, please get home safe, whatever you're doing out there. Um, uh, stay home safe, whatever needs to be. It seems like we got through this coronavirus thing, and, and then all of a sudden we got uh, you know a lot bigger issues right now. So um, really, thoughts and prayers to the George Floyd family, to the other loss of life out there that is uh, going around with some of these riots. And uh, you know what? I just... Uh, uh, it, it breaks my heart a lot of the things that, that we're seeing. So uh, anyway, we won't get too much into that. We talked a lot about it on our on our roundtable late last night. That we posted that this morning. But today is our official Monday show. We told you we'd have Chris Mayer on, and I want to get to that interview uh, right away. So without further ado, here is Chris Mayer. All right. Joining us today is Chris Mayer. Chris is a multi-sport official. He works football. He works baseball. He works pretty much full time like myself was doing, or uh, I should say I was doing for a long time. Uh, I've worked with him in a couple different sports, and it's my privilege to bring him on the program. Welcome, Chris. Matt, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the air again. Uh, this has been a time where I feel kind of a little bit of rebirth and going back in time and uh, <laughs> getting on this kind of podcast. <laughs> Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on here. I've, I've had the privilege to talk to a lot of different officials. Uh, a lot of my guests were from uh, my past when I was uh, growing up and everything and watching everyone else kind of branch out. 
but I love talking to officials, especially young officials, because it, it really is, it's the type of people that I am, that I'm in a similar situation as you. There's not, and the funny thing is there's not too many of us, Chris, uh, I don't mean to pick on the old guys, but there's not too many younger guys who work multiple sports and really climb the ladder and work it at high levels. Well, it, it is a very uh, interesting topic that we look at. If you go back about 30 to 35 years, the average age of an official was somewhere in the early to mid 20s. Mm-hmm. Now you fast forward that to today, which is now March of 2020, the average age of an official uh, is anywhere between 54 and 59 years old. That's a stark contrast considering where we were 30 years ago. Definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a big difference. And, you know, I, you know, I say I'm young, but, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in those mid, mid-30s. I'll be in the late 30s soon. So that's changing uh, rather quickly. I know you're, you're a pretty young man. And, and you know what? The age, uh, and there's a lot to be said for experience. But, man, having some uh, younger bodies out there, especially physically, something that really, really matters. I mean, because like we know, the athletes, they stay 18 to 20 years old, and, and, and we, we get older. They're always freshmen and seniors in college in that range, but, but we're always getting a, a year older every year. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear a lot of uh, people in this industry talk about, you know, that very topic. You know, why is it the players stay the same and it seems like they're getting faster, <laughs> but we as officials – or other people in the uh, sporting industry are not. But I think it goes beyond just uh, the physical characteristic. It's also the intangibles. It's the freshness of ideas. That's the thing that youth can really bring to an industry. You've often heard that in the workplace, but also it goes into sports. So I think there's kind of, it's little, it works hand in hand in that regard. Well, I think like anything, Chris, is that any business, anything you do, uh, okay, you start out young, but you have to show the respect to people that have done it before you. And you also have to show them the respect of listening. I can't tell you how many people have had an impact on my officiating career. Uh, it, there's, there's too many to, to count, really. But, you know, I think sometimes young people go into things full of energy and they just they want to take over and they think they know it all. And while, while having a positive energy is a good thing, you still got to pay tribute to the guys who've done it before you and, and probably at the time anyway, do it better than you. Right. And I feel it's very, very interesting that you bring that up because this was the same battle that I have fought early in my career. Uh, I began umpiring at the age of 15 years old, mm-hmm. which is extremely young compared to a lot of people when they start. And I had that explosive energy. I played football and baseball most of my life. I really felt that these were things that I could bring this player's mentality to that of the, in the officiating industry. It is something I've had to learn to channel as much enthusiasm as I want to bring, which we don't get it wrong. It's a real positive, but at the same time, you know, there is something to be said about learning not just to be a listener, but to take it in, appreciate it, embrace the moment. It's more than just giving information. It's also taking it, too. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, you, if you go one in, one in ear and out the other, that's really not accomplishing anything. So it's really important. And there's plenty of guys who, you know, think they know things that uh, really don't. But, but that's few and far between. I think most guys 
this is definitely a brotherhood type, you know, work we do. And you got to be able to take feedback. You got to be able to, uh, you know, take, take a kick in the rear sometimes when, when you're screwing up and not really holding up your end of the bargain. So you got to be thick skin, not just, you know, we don't care about fans and all that stuff, but just from our peers, that is such a, that is such a part of this job and business that people don't understand is that we are very hard on each other and we have to, you can't take things personal too much when somebody is trying to uh, motivate you or tell you, Hey, you're dead wrong there. Or, Hey, you screwed up here. Like it's not meant to, at least in my experience, again, there's exceptions, but it's not meant to like, to, knock you down it's it's meant to to lift you up right oh absolutely and my background outside of officiating is in the journalism category more specifically in that in broadcast Mm -hmm. media and early in my career i was working with a lot of people on the air that had different uh economic opinions different political opinions come from different backgrounds and we're now all on the same show and we're here having a talk radio deal very much like we're having Uh now because the thing about radio is that it is conversational what we're doing right now is essentially it but anyway i would be a co-host on what is known as mornings on the beach and i still make some appearances from time to time on it with three somewhere between three to five other people and sometimes i'm the outlier in terms of maybe my uh, religious views, maybe my uh, political views, maybe because of my background. It is what it is. But the bottom line is we cannot take it personal. We've had debates on the air. We've had debates off the air. We've had disagreements. We've had agreements. We've had joy. And we've had, I mean, sometimes close to going at it. But <laughs> at the end of the day, for lack of a better term of a cliche, um, it is not personal. <laughs> We're here to get better. We're here to learn from it. And we're learning how to work with it because sometimes that could be a benefit for us. In radio, that makes a great show <laughs> a lot of times having those differences. And when we go in the locker room or outside of our work as an official, those are things that are going to make us better. I could think of times where we were up 11, 12 at midnight, maybe having a pregame or something, and we're debating about things. <laughs> And sometimes it takes that come to Jesus moment that brings the crew together. That way we have a better performance. So we just, we can't take it. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, I've I've been in a few arguments in the, in locker rooms with, with colleagues, (laughs) nothing ever physical, but you know, there's, this is the stuff people don't see that that there's preparation that goes into this. And even afterwards, you know, uh, we're all we got out there. And, and so, you know, it's a family type situation. Sometimes brothers fight, you know. Um, well, let's t- let's continue. We got plenty of officiating talk uh, to, to go through. But let's let's touch on your, your radio experience. You went to college at Long Beach State. And is this mornings on the beach? Is was that affiliated with university at all? Was that a, a, an AM station? A, what, what where was that uh, radio station found? So Mornings on the Beach, when I joined in 2015 as a radio station intern, uh, was based out of what was then called K-Beach Studios on the Long Beach State campus. It was a subsidiary of the Associated Students Incorporated, or also known as ASI um, at that time. So our work would a lot of times air on the internet. Uh, 
at the time, kbeach.org. It is now known as 22 West Media. And really what it was for, many of the shows are contributed by Long Beach State students, some that are not affiliated with the school. But what it was for is to bring um, something other than maybe the hard news that you normally receive, <laughs> something that gets you going during the day. Um, you know, you can get your hard news at a lot of places. We had a time and place on our show. Jeff Kaufman, one of our co-hosts, in the high-definition newsroom was outstanding at that, and he still is to this day. But we would bring the things that were, you know, some things that you might have missed in the quote-unquote news, but things that are interesting that stimulate that little bit of conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it sounds sounds great, especially, you know, in, the, in kind of the college uh, environment, you know, it, it sounds like a really good opportunity. And, you know, th- those are the only regrets I have from college is that I didn't really – jump into trying a few more things not as far as like working with the media I did a few things with like uh, the athletic programs but trying out a radio show or, or something like that because I've had a blast doing this it, it's something that I I didn't really ever see myself doing uh and, and you know we, we needed a, a quarantine for this to happen really but I've enjoyed talking with people, uh, arguing, sharing stories. Like it's so much fun. It, it's fun to just have a conversation with people, like you're saying. Right, and that's really what radio is, and that's why I got attached to that more than I got attached to print mm-hmm. journalism or television. Now, when I was in high school, I prepped at St. John Bosco High School in Bellflower. I was the sports anchor on the TV station and the sports editor for the school <laughs> newspaper. And I really thought, hey, look, being on TV, you know, that's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And when you think about it, you got to dress up. You got to do makeup. You got to do all this. You got to look <laughs> pretty. And you're not, the, you're not the boss when it decides how pretty you look. Somebody else is doing that. Radio is a very casual yep. thing. But we also remember it is something that plays to the ear. Something to simplify, simplifying thinking. And that was a challenge for me early on. And I feel it's something that I've embraced going into other lines of work, as well as being a, uh, I like to say, an efficient uh, co-host on radio. <laughs> well, well, Chris, you're definitely a natural. I could tell, uh, you know, you have had some experience in this type of work. You're, you're very smooth in your conversation here on the on the microphone and it's a it's a lot of fun to uh to talk with someone who has experience uh in in that field for sure uh you know i i got into talk radio a lot when i was in college because i was in the car so much i was going straight from my classes to then coach and then do a job and then all the way home and then you know i was commuting to fullerton at one point which was you know that's that's 30 minutes at minimum one way and so I really fell in love with talk radio, some of the uh, sports radios, especially with some of the early mornings. And uh, I don't know, it was just like it was cool listening to sports and opinions and then looking at the radio even and, and shouting at it. And it's like you guys are dead wrong about, you know, certain subjects. So it, it's something that's always kind of been in the back of my mind and something I, I to this day continue to, to listen to no sports to talk about right now, but, but what do I do? I want to turn on the radio and listen to sports talk. Well, again, I came from a lot of the same uh, lines as that I would be in the car as a seven, eight year old. And my dad had talk radio on if it was um, 
KFI when we're looking at politics, AM640, or if mm-hmm. we're looking at sports. Um, being in the LA area for much of my adult life, you know, Los Angeles did not have mm-hmm. professional football. And there were a lot of the San Diego shows that were being able to air here in LA. So it got me really hooked on to hear um, syndicated columnists like Jim Rome, hate him or love him, he's on, or the Loose Cannons with, with <laughs> Steve Hartman and uh, Bill, Billy, Billy, Werndell, guys that I kind of got hooked on in radio. Whether or not you agreed with these people and their views, whether it's economic, political, whatever it is, it was really just a conversation and <laughs> what it was, as well as um, – John Quintero, one of my favorites in San Diego, also known as the coach. Um, it was also a blessing, younger, being able to meet these people in person and watch kind of their show on the air when they'd be doing San Diego Padres post game or they would be doing hey, the San Diego high school football game of the week. They'd be talking about it. It was, um, it was really kind of cool. And I'm thinking, holy cow, these conversations that I, I sometimes have with someone or like sports, that's really radio. That's kind of cool. <laughs> You know, it's, it has a little bit more, it's a little more. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, it's so much fun. And and not only that with sports talk, I love when people put analogies together because that's really what sports is, is it's, is it's lessons and, and uh, you know, people who go to work on Mondays, you know, they, they're able to have a conversation about what happened, but they're also able to, to put and paint pictures of things it, it put things into place as far as how they go about their business, you know? Uh, oh, and you know, how often do you hear, you hear all the time, these uh, baseball terminologies, Hey guys, we got to hit a home run today or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's just, uh, it, I love sports. I love talking it. it. It's killing me right now. Not having a whole lot of sports to talk about. We still find ways to do it. Uh, and I can't wait for when we get back to it because this is going to be a lot of fun to comment on what's going on and the games and the different stories and everything. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you, as an official full-time guy like myself, you work, you worked, uh, you know, college football, you work college baseball, this COVID situation. <laughs> uh, people don't realize that, you know, it's, it was devastating to a lot of people but it's really hit officials hard. I mean, basically for officials, we get our schedules in uh, sometime in the fall, winter. And for, for baseball, for instance, we have a schedule roughly from February through May. And we've put aside a lot of time for, for guys who have other jobs. They, they clear their, their calendar, they make time and you look at your calendar and you have all that money potentially that we're going to uh, work for. And we worked for about a month, month and a half maybe, and all that went away. And it's probably the first time I can think of that this has really happened to the officiating world where our, our season, our schedule, our money that we really were looking forward to, uh, to making, to earning, that opportunity just went away in, in an instant. And like a lot of people in this country who had similar situations, a lot of independent contractors I mean, what, what can you tell me about just your your thoughts on, on losing all that income? Because I know there's a lot of officiating brothers out there that, that are hurting right now because of all this thing. Well, I think uh, we would be lying if we said it didn't affect us. Uh, there are people that took it to different levels of how they were affected. 
And what I mean by that is some of them, their families were devastated and my heart goes out to them. But when I realized that chances were very high that we were going to lose our season, I had to realize, look, we still got to be ready. We got, there's going to be a day where Mm -hmm. this is going to come back. We're going to be back somewhere down the road and we have to be ready for whatever that may be, whenever that may be. That was kind of my motivation to get through this. Now, financially, it really, it really did hurt us because of the amount that we put in our pockets to be ready to fly. It, I was getting ready to start a five-week period where I was going to be traveling every week for something. And a couple of days before we we're getting ready to leave, you know, we get the call, things are canceled. And, and uh, for lack of using a better uh, cliche here in the sports radio deal, um, the dominoes fell and the rest is history. And that's kind of where we're at on that. So I think for me on this, yes, I was affected by it. Other people were affected by it. But just when you think you have it bad, somebody else. Oh, definitely. And and we've discussed that, you know, football, not not so much football for me anymore. I've taken some time off. But, you know, baseball is, uh, for a lot of guys I know, is it's their – they're bread and butter. It's, it's, it's a four month stretch where at least for me, that's when I make a a significant amount of my annual income. And so that's kind of the picture to paint for people is that, uh, four months of income, (laughs) uh, about three of those months went away, but, but those three months pretty much account for, you know, over half of the income, uh, for, for, for my life, for my year. So it's just stuff like that. You, you see money on paper and you know, you think, okay, yep, uh, you're, you're planning and expecting that. And then for that to go away. Yeah. It's, it's been hard. And I've been fortunate. Like you said, it, it could always be worse. I know there's a few guys and not even just college level guys, but guys who work youth sports, high school sports, you know, th- they're really hurting because they counted on that money. And, and it's just an unfortunate situation. I, I gotta be honest. I was, not really looking, I don't know, baseball season, I don't really get fired up about it. And then we start it and then I'm like, okay, cool. I like this. Yeah. But I was really not looking that much forward to it. And then started working games, felt felt good. And then it, it went away. So I think the lesson to myself is, hey, you got to appreciate what's in front of you. Appreciate what's here, what's present, because it can go away at any time. And uh, you know, it, it just, it just can. So you better appreciate uh, some of the things you have to do that maybe you don't want to do, or it's just all part of the process and part of the the income that, that we have and, and, do, and doing the craft that we love. So you got to appreciate it while it's here. I couldn't agree with that um, more. I really, I really just couldn't. That was the hundred <laughs> percent spot on i think if there's anything that people are going to learn from this time is the importance of Mm -hmm. each ball game that we're not thinking too far down i know there are probably many people were thinking about what i could have made in a 15-week collegiate baseball season plus maybe another two one to two weeks in the postseason but really the most important uh, moment in our career is today the our most important job is the one that we have at right now whatever level we're at wherever we're working whoever we're working for and i think this really has brought perspective 
into this. And I, it remains to be seen. How is this going to affect our officiating going forward? What's the attitude going to be like mm-hmm. on and off the field? Are we, what are we, how are we going to treat our fellow man? Yeah. How are we going to be able to handle our business? I, I'm very <laughs> interested. To see yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it'll be as cutthroat as some people may think. I, I, I am hopeful that, uh, we're all going to come back really hungry next year with, with the season approaching guys are going to want, want to work a lot. They'll be more available. And, and I hope that, that, that the small amount of hostility that there was amongst officials, I, I hope that goes away because we all can see that, Hey, uh, this isn't guaranteed. We need to appreciate it. And, and all the drama maybe that goes on behind the scenes. It's just, it's irrelevant. We don't need that, that stuff. We just don't. And, and so I, I hope, but I'm hopeful, but like you said, yeah, uh, you know, men, men uh, can, can make mistakes and uh, maybe choose the wrong avenues to go at times. So, so we'll see, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next season. It's a long way away, but uh, counting down the days, uh, I, I do miss baseball. Here we are in, in middle of May, basically when things would have been ending for us. Uh, and so that was a little, the disheartening to think about recently. I was like, man, I should have been flying home from uh, Boise and you know, finishing up my season or whatever the case may be. Um, well, well, Chris, you're, you're a well-educated guy. You, you got your master's at, at uh, University of Miami, right? And, and what was that like for you? What, what exactly did you, did you study there? And, and what was the University of Miami like? So, in 2016, I'd attended umpire school at the minor league baseball umpire academy, a fairly new school uh, by standards mm-hmm. for those that have all the generations have been umpire school. After I completed, I went uh, a couple hours down I-95 and we had visited a family friend who uh, was living in, in the Coral Gables neighborhood at that time and used to work at the University of Miami. And I was at a stage in my life where I didn't know what was going to happen. Would I be going to minor league baseball? Would I not? Mm -hmm. I was kind of on the fence. I really didn't know where I stood at that time. They didn't say I was out, but they didn't say I was in. Um, And I was looking for things that maybe could help me later on in my life and in my career. Well, the University of Miami had online programs for postgraduate degrees. And my dad had wanted me to do it in business administration thinking, well, there, there's a lot of opportunities uh, out there for that. And I had spoken with uh, Eric Sargent, who at the time was the um, advisor in the admissions office that dealt with these uh, postgraduate programs. And we kind of talked and Eric's a very energetic guy, but he could tell that it probably just wasn't a fit based on my psychographics or my personality and, and my interests. So Anyway, I go and do some research after I get home back here in California that they had a sports management program that was online. So I called Eric and I said, okay, I see this program. Is this really online? He's like, Chris, I am so glad you called me. See, that's probably more of a fit (laughs) for you right there. So the ball got rolling. The idea of this master's degree program was not something that was going to do something in the immediate right now. It's more of something I thought maybe Mm -hmm. later in my life, if I wanted to have an administrative position off the field in relationship to 
what I do in officiating or maybe in compliance or helping in radio, whatever the case may be, we, I just felt that was a real help. And I could do it online. And later that year, I was working in the Coastal Plains League and I was able to complete a good chunk of my master's degree <laughs> while I was on the road. That That's uh, what some people don't understand is that's sometimes the best place to get an education is the road because you got a lot of downtime waiting in that hotel room for the, uh, you know, for the game to start at night or even some car rides. So it's really cool that uh, you, you were able to do that. And, and I think a lot of other guys have done that with their bachelor's degree or their master's guys in professional baseball and such. So, uh, so that's really cool, Chris. That's, uh, that's quite an achievement to get that master's. Well, I, I really appreciate the uh, kind words on that. Again, always we're one day at a time. And we'll see what happens. It, it is a piece of paper. Just gotta do something <laughs> I totally it. hear you, man. <laughs> well, Chris, let's talk a little bit about your officiating. You, you're definitely a guy that's hungry. You're always going to camps. You've, you've worked hard. You, you're really trying to get to that next level. That's always in your mind and, and somebody that is just constantly – constantly trying to get there so you you've gone to countless umpire schools and football referee camps uh you currently work football in the SWAC is that correct okay well what can you tell me about working in that conference and how you kind of got connected to it so the SWAC is a very unique form of football it's at a level called the FCS of Division One, which for those that follow college football, you have the FBS, the 10 conferences, five power conferences, five group of five conferences. But there's a level called the FCS, which are programs that don't participate necessarily in the bowl games that you normally see as we get in the month of December, January. The SWAC um, doesn't participate in that. However, um, they are what is part of the historically black colleges and universities known as HBCUs. And what is amazing about working in a conference like that is that division one football happens mm-hmm. in various forms and many towns have appreciation for it. And it just blows me away every time I visit these places that the amount of support um, that their cities have for their teams. And really what stands out to me the most is that it's opportunity. The SWAC was an opportunity for many, many individuals going back to the 1940s and the 1950s. And as I look back when I was hired in 2016, is it was an opportunity for me, as as it was for other officials um, in various parts of the country, as well as here in California. Yeah, and there's a ton of good football here in California, but because of that, there's a ton of good officials. So sometimes officials have to branch out and, and travel to other parts of the country to get those opportunities. And, and, you know, the SWAC conference, that is, that's down, uh, well, it's the Southwest Athletic Conference, if, 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 if I'm saying that correctly. But, it, you know, it's quite a ways from California, right, Chris? I mean, some of the schools down there, um, let's see, Grambling, is that right? And uh, what are some of the other schools yes. down there? So many people that have probably wondered what the SWAC was but have probably seen the uh, Grambling Southern <laughs> rivalry. It is the only FCS rivalry game that was played on national television, mm-hmm. played on NBC, 
every Thanksgiving weekend in New Orleans. Now, outside of the SWAC, you have schools in the state of Texas. You have uh, Grambling Southern, which are in Louisiana. You have Jackson State and Alcorn State, as well as Mississippi Valley State in that Mississippi area, as well as um, Alabama State, Alabama A&M in Alabama uh, with Arkansas Pine Bluff rounding out the uh, the 10 school conference. Uh, travel, you yeah. got to be resourceful with that. But again, this is something we knew we were getting into. Um, the people that that started the first officials from California come here, they, we knew that this is what we were going to have to do to get to that stepping stone, to get to where we want in our career. And a lot of times that's a fly and <laughs> drive. But as far as I'm concerned, that is a culture. That is something that's instilled in us. And it, and in some ways it's the only way we know. So any other travel. Yeah, if, if you're not willing to look at travel, like just another part of the job, then, then you're in the wrong business. Cause it, it is whether you're flying, you know, an hour flight or a three hour flight, that's yeah, just part of the job and you got to be willing to travel. You're not going to just work games in your backyard all the time. So what you're in the SWAC, you've been in there a couple of years. What are some of your other goals, Chris, where, where would you like to see yourself in a couple of years? Uh, it's always important to have goals. I know you have them. That's why you've been striving and, and achieving just various uh, levels. Where do you see yourself going with your football career? Well, I think there's really a couple of ways to address that. I mean, we all have, we have some people, you can look at it at three levels. You have a dream, you have a goal, mm. and you have a promise. I mean, when we start out, maybe we don't even know it. Maybe as a kid, we see, we watch something on TV and we think of, <laughs> holy cow, I'd love to do that. But when you're nine, 10 years old, mm -hmm. that's really a dream at that point. Now, as we progress and we start being involved in this kind of avocation, vocation, you know, whatever it is for that specific person, that's, you know, maybe an area we like to hit on. So it's a goal. And for me, it was a promise. It was a promise that I was going to make to myself that if this is where I want to be, this is what I have to do. And these are the ways I have to do it to put myself in position so that when opportunity meets preparation, those are when the stars align up. So I, my to answer your question about goals, I would love to work in a uh, mm -hmm. power conference in college football. That's probably my next step. And you can't really put a quantity on how long that's going to take. It's not about that. I know that there are some theories that, you know, if you do it a certain amount of time, it's going to happen. Not necessarily. But what it's forced me to do is going back to your most important yes. job is the one that you have at the moment. Take care of that. Be great. Chris, at Chris that. you got some great, some great quotes, man. Some great, uh, lines that man i gotta write down and post all over my walls here to get get fired up and, and inspired it's some good stuff uh it, you know it's it's real uh that's why i wanted to bring you on i knew you you really put it out there for other people to to hear and, and get an idea of what it takes to kind of move along through the various levels so i i think that's great man i i really uh, i've always loved your enthusiasm <laughs> you always again you're one of the guys who uh, most umpires, most football officials, especially the college level, they only do one sport because it's such a hard thing to give so much of your time and yourself. 
so there's not a lot of guys that do multiple sports at you know the higher levels. High school, maybe you guys do a bunch of sports, but you just mentioned it. There's no time frame. I, I know a few buddies of mine who got to Division One. They got to the Pac-12 as far as football refereeing. I mean, and they're almost 50 years old. I mean, it, it takes however long it takes, and if if you know, there, there's no time frame. If you're willing to put in the time and keep grinding, you know, there's no telling to uh, to when goals could be achieved. So uh, keep at it. Keep on doing what you're doing, as we all hear all the time. Uh, so let's talk about baseball now. You know, you've, you've done baseball uh, a while. We've worked a few games together. Um, we actually, we worked, I believe, this past uh, – yeah, you, you were one of the few guys I got to work with this season because our season was so short. But, you know, baseball is a different animal. Baseball is an everyday, at least five or six days a week type of grind where you got to work. You need that experience. You need to get on the field and get that dust on your shoes and just repetition. Whereas football, you got to get snaps also, but so much of football is about preparing for that one day a week you know so tell me about the differences that you see in football versus baseball as far as a preparation or just kind of the overall uh atmosphere that it that it is well i'm going to start off by addressing the benefits of working yeah. multiple sports that i think would shed a lot of light onto encouraging our people to do these things or you know there are people that specialize in one sport and you know what power to them and for guy, there are guys that are a higher a higher pedestal than me and they've done it a long time i commend them for it now the benefits of working multiple sports is the fact that you're making <laughs> decisions year round that's something that's an intangible that you just can't take away your ability to make decisions and be able to apply them to various situations, not only on an, on the field, but off the field. There are many things that I have learned being an official that have helped me off the field. There are that have, have helped me in radio. There are things that have helped me um, dealing with my family, whatever that may be. So there is a real benefit to it. I know that there are some arguments to say, hey, look, we want you to specialize. It's the same thing with the multi-sport athlete. I mean, I remember coaches trying to tell me, hey, look, just play football or just play baseball. You know, I, we could go on for days with that debate. It's no different in the officiating spectrum. But uh, to answer your questions uh, about the preparation that is involved, I think really you have to know where to apply each of these things and know how it works. So – one of the things that I've really taken upon myself in the last few years is a sport like football where video is a big part of our preparation because you're not on the field mm -hmm. as much when you think yeah. of it from a year-round basis compared to baseball. But how can you apply that to baseball? How can you do these things that are going to help make you better? Because like it or mm -hmm. not, it is very much a part of our game. And oh, very much so. And, and I, I am 100% in agreement with you on the fact that making decisions year, year round. I think I've never right, never quite put it that way when I've explained it to people, but that's a great way to look at it. I mean, there's no reason that, you know, uh, calling a play at second base in May uh, is bad, is, is bad for you 
you know, and, and you can't connect that to signaling a touchdown or a short in, in September. You, you're, they're both decisions that have to be made. And maybe some other guy who's not working multiple sports, he's not making those, those fundamental calls. You know, hey, be stationary. Get your eyes set. Use proper timing. Like those are just more live reps like you're talking about. And maybe it's not a football rep, but it's an officiating rep. And that, that is so important. Uh, it's, it's so difficult, like I said, to, to continue to work multiple sports. I, I for the longest time, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, I, I, this is just how my year operates. I do football, then basketball, then baseball, and then it's about time to do uh, football again. Like that it was almost like my year was structured and I couldn't understand the whole downtime thing, <laughs> even though when you have downtime, you just put more into those other sports as far as like off the field stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a really good, uh, really good example, Chris, of, of, yeah, the, the challenges with working multiple sports, but also the similarities that you can, you can, uh, use and everything you've worked hard. You've gotten, uh, again, with, with the camps and everything, and, and you've gotten, uh, to some places you'd like to be in baseball. You, you were recently hired in, in conference USA, if I remember correctly, when we were talking in, February. So what, what do you, what is that, uh, what was that process like? And um, you know, what are some other goals with uh, baseball? So in baseball, a lot of people have the luxury of working for yeah. many different people because we work with different people every week we're not really in a crew setting and there's not really a fixation on how much somebody is going to work there's a lot of latitude involved in who you work for when you work where you work because of geography still matters in some aspects with some uh with conferences and for me i Mm -hmm. i was looking just to build my schedule and in the month of july last year i was looking at a camp and it was at St. John's University in <laughs> Queens, New York, Jamaica, Queens. Uh, that is the oh. same institution that my father went to. And I had family in New York. So I was thinking, okay, this camp is in August. This is before we're really we're back to our scrimmages in football. I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to try to squeeze this one in right now, see what can happen. And the gentleman who ran that camp is Troy Fullwood, the supervisor of officials for uh, the ACC Conference USA in the Big South. And and I see that. I'm like, that's a pretty damn good deal. Uh, someone that has those three conferences is someone that's going to keep you busy. Now, at the time, I didn't know anybody um, that was on my part of the country working for him. But I figured, hey, look, let's at least go there. Yeah. You never know what can happen. You're going to learn something. I mean, Troy has experience um, at the major league level, worked almost 200 games. And Rob Healy also, they're guys that could bring uh, information to you that I could take back. So there, it was kind of a twofold uh, process on that. Anyway, I go there for about for three days. I have a good camp, and Troy wants to use me for some games. Now, granted, you know, the questions are going to come out, you know, how are you going to work this out in California? Say, look, you know, I can – a lot of the work I do, yeah. I can do off my computer outside of baseball. If it has anything to do with production or with radio, I can do it from the computer. Not an issue. So there has to be some reassurance involved. 
and I was looking to build the schedule. I had already been on the staff of the Mountain West Conference for a yeah. few seasons, but I was Definitely. looking for something and, and more. I think it, we always have to look, and uh, we always want to work one more game in, as far as a postseason goes. We always want to work one more game in a Division One season. We always want to have one more weekend, one more, one more, right, until we're we're full. And, and so we all got to do what we got to do. And you touched on working for, you know, multiple conferences and – you know, I, I at a time was working for multiple conferences and more recently I've kind of uh, uh, subtracted some and just kind of focused on a couple. And and I've been happy with that. That's worked for me. I, I was uh, just I downsized a little bit and it's kind of like less is more situation, but it's opened up other avenues to for maybe potential um, expansion, like you're saying, to to other conferences, maybe not out here in the West. And you just never know. So I think that's the great lesson there with you going to that camp was, hey, you never know what's this going to hurt. You're going to learn something and you never know where, where it could lead. And, and I think it's going to pay off for you. We, we talked about that a little bit when I saw you in February. I, I think it's a good thing to do and, and, and it'll definitely help you out in the near future. Matt, I really appreciate that. And I think the real message that I can give to officials is that, Nobody's going to fight for you. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to be a street agent for you. These are things that you have to seek out if you want something to happen. You have to lay a course of action. Nobody's going to vouch for you. Nobody's going to advocate you. Your biggest advocate is yourself. And the things that you can do to put you in position to where you can get that done. And yeah. I'm not saying this is something that's going to happen right away. This is something you don't know who your next boss is going to be. You don't know um, what impression they have. Mm -hmm. you have made on them right away. You may not know that, but it's those little increment improvements. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use this name here because I think it makes sense, is uh, former NFL official Bill Carollo. A lot of times when he talks to uh, many officials, whether it's from high school officials to guys who are about getting the NFL like he did for 20 years, he talks about the 1%, you know, we're all going to have opportunities, you know, to, to make a big, big call or a big decision, which it's going to happen, maybe not as often. But if we really get 1% better at what we do, if that's officiating, if that's in sports radio, if that's in sales, if that's in whatever the case may be, that 1%, not everybody notices those improvements, but when you add it over time, those make a big difference. Are we getting 1%? Yeah. Better if you're not improving, then you're staying, you're staying stagnant or you're going backwards and you don't want either of those. I mean, there has to be uh, constant learning, constant improvement. It's just, it's the things that, that really add up over time. I mean, the, the day you stop learning is the day you should, uh, you should quit. Cause you know it all, you know? <laughs> so it's in anything and it's in, and that's what I, <clears throat> excuse me. That's what I love about sports is that it, it, it reflects into our personal lives, our family lives, business life. It, it's just, it's always there. And it's been killing me right now, not having sports around. Uh, I, I, as a sports fan, I just, I always flip the TV on it. And, and like you, I'm sure I watch the officials right away. You know, it's one of the first things I notice in any sport I'm watching. So tell me about your sports, uh, if, even if it's not as a fan, but like, what is your, you love sports, I'm sure, right, Chris? There, I do, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you prefer watching 
professional or college sports. You went to the University of Miami, so I got to figure, uh, you know, there's there's a little connection there. And then you mentioned St. John's. Your, your dad went there. So there's got to be some little connections that you follow. Well, I think being an official makes you look at things from Correct. a global perspective. You see things on a bigger picture, and it goes beyond specific teams or the conferences. Now, when you go to a certain school, you, you might have had an interest early on in if that's Big West baseball or ACC football, ACC men's basketball, or the biggest, whatever it may be. You see the game bigger. You see it on a different stage. And one of the things that you have to control, at least I do, is when I watch the game, you know, I'm always tempted to look for certain things rather than just sit back and watch the game. You know, I think one of the things I, I work on and channel in is just taking it in. Um, but I do gain a real sense of gratification when I um, watch a game on my iPad or my computer. I always find it's also a learning opportunity. I sometimes watch stuff and I find things I didn't know about. It doesn't matter if it has to be um, what decision uh, was made on the field or what play was called, or it could be about a specific player or a coach, you know, things that a lot of these people we forget are outstanding citizens off the field. That's the thing I really find tremendous covering in journalism being an official, you realize that you know, it's not, we're more than that. We can't think of ourselves as just that. We can't think of them. It doesn't stop there. These people. Well, yeah. And, and I didn't mean, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot as far as like teams you follow or anything, because yeah, that's something people need to realize too, is that when we're in the college officiating business, you know, that, that fandom does go away. You, you still, I still watch the local teams though. Like if they're on, I mean, they're on more, so you see them more and I, and I want to watch a ball game. So, so, you know, I, I try to, to follow, uh, you know, the local sports, the local conferences for sure. Even if it's a different sport than, than the one I work, I really like professional sports. Uh, it's the highest level. Uh, there was a time where, where it was a dream to kind of get there to that highest level, but it's just so fun for me to see not just the teams and the, the athleticism at those levels, but also the officials. I mean, I can't watch a game without really breaking down how the best in the business do it and learning something again, you know, I, I sure I like slam dunks. I like touchdowns. Uh, uh, home runs are okay, but I really like when a guy makes a great play as an official gets to the, the pylon and squares up or makes it an amazing call that, that is confirmed in replay. Like those are the things for me because of what I do, what you do. Uh, those are the ones I can relate to. And I'm just so impressed with when I watch professional sports for that matter. Right. And really it's very, very important to pay Mm -hmm. attention to things locally, regardless of the sports, Um, whatever it is, it's showing our support. And when we talk about looking things on a, on a bigger picture, we see a lot more, we see a lot more different types of, people in our advocation and it makes us appreciate that more and more and then when we get to meet a lot of these people in person it really reaffirms there's a reason why this guy's the best or when you when you see a guy on tv and you realize you know this this official it's like hmm. some people question they think well he looks big on tv or he looks kind of old but you meet him in person and this guy 
you think he's 68 years old and he's able to keep up with these people. I mean, I've known people that were 64, 65 years old and were working the new <laughs> when the center judge position came in college football and are able to log mm-hmm. 14 to 15 miles of ball game in some instances, considering the length of the game and the amount of plays mm-hmm. that it run. So it makes you appreciate them more and more um, when you when you bring together what you've seen on TV with these guys and then when you meet them and to see what they do to maintain that peak performance. Because I really believe that your mechanics, your rules knowledge, what are a skill set, that's going to get you there. Your people skills, the way you're, you, you use your background, that's going to get you there. But mental toughness is going to be the thing that keeps you there. That's going to allow you to, we talk about, you know, when you get knocked down and getting back Mm -hmm. up, very, very important, right? But we also think about, we want to manage our highs too. We do great things in this business. Other people do great things. How do they keep that level of performance and keep getting better? That's the thing that really impresses me about a lot of these people that work at a high level, regardless if it's if it's in the officiating or if it's mm-hmm. in their, um, their other vocations that they don't let the highs get to them. They manage they, they never let their highs get too high <laughs> and their lows get too low. That's mental toughness in my book. And that's very, yeah, very much. So they, I've yet to meet guys who work at the highest levels, uh, yet to meet one that is, you know, a bad guy. And, you know, when you meet people, how they, most of them are so, gracious they're humble they're they're just they want to uh they hear that you officiate too and they think the world of it and and they treat you different i mean they they treat you like they've known you before and that that to me is the biggest impact i have and it's just like these guys off the field court diamond that they are so they're, they're such great guys and and they're not paid to be great guys they're paid to get calls right and manage a game but it's so fun to meet them and you know i have so many uh, guys, I, I, when I see them on TV, I, I, I smile. Cause I'm like, okay, this should be fun. This will be a good, a good run, a well-run game. And I just, uh, there's, I have so many officiating, uh, mentors that are, you know, not even mentors, just guys that I, I, I would be the, the leader of their fan club. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, uh, guys, at high levels, it's so fun to follow and, and learn something from them. Uh, well, Chris, kind of kind of wrapping things up here shortly, I, I do want to ask you one question about giving back. You know, officiating is all about bringing someone with you to the next level or, or kind of assisting guys because when you started, there were plenty of guys that, that helped you. And if I remember correctly, you're working with guys in the Orange County High School Baseball Umpires Unit. Uh, you know, you you're, you're have more of a hands-on approach there now than you did before. So what can you tell me about working with high school umpires now and, and uh, you know, helping out with some instruction as well? Well, as much as this is something I really wanted to do when you think about just the umpiring thing, but really the more gratifying thing is the fact that I get to go back and mm-hmm. teach people this something that I love to do um I go back it makes me go back to when I was a freshman in high school at age of 15 starting umpire baseball and my motives were because I needed Christian service hours 
And at first you think of something that's quantifiable, how you're giving back, but you realize just being there has such a profound impact on people. And it's not something I realized at age 15, but as I grew older and older and started to do this and now going to the camps and clinics, realizing, you know, these people give back this dynamic instruction. We're getting your people giving back. I want to be like these people. I want to bring what official A and official B have taught me. I want to bring it to the next wave of officials because Mm -hmm. you don't know who that one person to two people or whoever it is, that's going to be the thing that leaf starts their career. So my position as the instructional chairman in the Long Beach unit is a very, very hands-on approach. Now, I feel the biggest way for us to accomplish that is we need to have different ways available for our people to be able to learn what we're expecting them to learn. We need to understand that it's already a burden for people to come to five to six meetings and and really have the learning stop there. I just felt that that's counterproductive. No one's going to, what are you going to learn in a two hour period? That's something you're going to keep. You need to give something uh, where people can see it and they can view it on their own time. I mean, we talk about a picture being a thousand words. Well, I think video is 10,000 words. And I don't even know if you can put a figure on how important that is. And I've really incorporated that with us with the skills I had learned from working in um, Mm -hmm. digital media about editing, using sound, uh, clipping high definition video, all those kinds of things. Those are how you really give back. And it allows people to learn at their pace and be able to Mm -hmm. really uh, see what you're trying to tell them rather than (laughs) than trying to say, well, this book says this or, you know, so-and-so said that, you know, that's not, nobody's, that's a hard thing to grasp. You, you don't want to be that type of person that says, well, so-and-so told me to do this. That's why I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to show you why, why do we want to do that? I think my mentors in sport or, and even in radio, Danny Lemos, who got me on the beach radio as an intern and now allows me to give back on the Long Beach public radio circuit is that it's a learning lab. These are hands-on things. And that's how I want to be. He was with me when I started doing that. John Schrader was when I was taking his intro to broadcast writing class at Long Beach State or in sports journalism. They're going to show you exactly what you need to do. These are things you've got to learn by hand. And that's what I want to do. I think you're in a great position. Uh, you're the great guy for that. You, you have good enthusiasm. You, you're hungry to provide knowledge. And again, the technical side of things is really important these days. I, uh, I, I know what you uh, are going through working that I, I only survived one year of doing some uh, in, instructional chairman work, but it was just, uh, I was busy with other things and had to kind of move on, but I wish you nothing but the best with that, Chris. I think uh, the, the unit is in good hands. You're going to do great things with them. So continue to do that. Stay hungry with it. I know you, you will. And uh, yeah, very, very proud of you for doing that. I think it's a great way to give back, make people better make the unit better and, and just definitely uh, you're the right guy for that job. Well, Chris, as we wrap things up, do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to mention or anything else you'd like to cover? Well, Matt, I really appreciate you having, having me on here. I think this is a great deal to showcase 
some of our local officials, maybe <laughs> stories that have not been told or our voices that need to be heard. Uh, not, not myself necessarily, but I think it's great having people on like this. This really showcases that we're more than. Our yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to try to get well. more guys on here. Uh, a lot of officials from various backgrounds, different sports. Uh, it's, it's been so fun to talk with them, just share their journey, their stories, because again, there's something to learn from everybody. And there's a, there's different experiences that I think we all need to hear and, and can appreciate. So officials are great guys for the most part. And, and I really, they're, they're, they're my people, you know, they're, they're who I, who I'm around all the time. Uh, my, my colleagues and friends and, I just really enjoy talking to them. And so I'm, I'm fortunate to have this platform to be able to share those conversations with others. But Chris, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, you know what? I think we'll do it again, man. As soon as we get back to some sports and maybe the football season, we'll uh, bring you on to talk some football officiating if, if we get a chance to do that. And it's been so much fun catching up. And, and I really look forward to talking again soon. All right, Chris, you take Absolutely. care and good luck yeah, with everything. Come on. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Chris Mayer, for being on the program. Appreciated recording with you not too long ago. I know uh, we're in a very weird time right now with uh, everything going on in the world. And, you know, maybe it's not the time to just be talking about sports officiating, but it's, it's something that is uh, maybe a little different that we can get our minds off of some uh, some unfortunate events that are going on around the country. But thanks again, Chris. A lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, we will talk again very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, we did post a roundtable discussion this morning with uh, a few guys I know who are pretty good friends of mine. Um, we will have a regularly scheduled program tomorrow with Eddie Garcia. I mentioned him uh, over the weekend, but he's a guy who played played under me as a as a co- uh, when I coached uh, some football and, and other sports. Um, he will be on his uh, his recording will be on tomorrow. And again, we record these interviews a week or so prior to the program, so uh, <laughs> you know it won't have many current events on there. But we'll try to talk about a few things in our intro and uh, our closing segment. I didn't have a whole lot to say this morning uh, and, and uh, before the interview and, and then now even afterwards just because there was so much talk last night in our roundtable discussion and, you know, I just I still wanted to get the interviews out that we posted, that we planned to post. So we will continue to do that this week as well as have some other discussions, I am sure. Um, Eddie Garcia is our guest tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. We will have it out uh, as a regularly scheduled time early in the morning. Uh, you can find all of our updated information in on the various platforms. Twitter, Get Home Safe Pod is our handle there. Facebook, Facebook and Instagram page, Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address, Get Home Safe Podcast at Yahoo.com. We operate through the Anchor app, but you know we know we have listeners at many different platforms and Apple, Spotify, and many more. So thank you to all of you who listen, however you do, and uh, just really appreciate it. We have plenty of episodes uh, that we've done. We're, we are now officially at 50 episodes. We've done 50, and we're really happy about that. Some 
some uh, some good, some bad, and uh, probably some ugly ones too. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for bearing with us all this time. Looking forward to our next 50 episodes and just uh, more people that to, to come on here and have a conversation with and and uh, maybe talk about some some other things, uh, you know, to get our minds off some uh, violent uh, activity going on these days. But anyway, guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around the third base, get home safe.